Hello everyone and welcome to the PR Not BS podcast by me Fiona Scott. It's lovely to have you here today and I hope your summer, spring is going really, really well and you're having a great week and a great month in business or in charity or in, within your organisation. I'm joined today by a really good friend of mine, friend in life, friend in business, um, Denise O'Leary, MBE. I've got to get the MBE in there because uh, in the New Year's Honours list this year, uh, Denise was awarded the MBE and I was one of the lucky few who knew about it and had to keep it very quiet for a number of days before. So Denise, please introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Fiona, and hello, everybody. Yes, my name is Denise O'Leary. Uh, my company company is Purple Marketing, and we are a marketing agency, but we actually have quite a broad spectrum of support. We help people win more, more often. So that includes bids and grants and uh, award entries and generally helping them develop their businesses with, with sound marketing strategies. People might find it quite strange, Denise. They might see that you and I would be competitors with each other, but actually that's not the case, is it? No, and actually even very competitive organisations could be totally collaborative. And this is something that I talk a lot about to my clients. Actually, there's usually a huge amount of opportunity to have with aligned businesses, uh, quite apart from ones that even are complete overlaps with yourself. So sometimes you do need to just collaborate and actually you've got then more critical mass and you can go after bigger projects and you and I have we've done that sometimes successfully sometimes not haven't we Denise (laughs) absolutely well sadly you can't win them all much as I'd love to say you can but um you know you never truly know all of the criteria you're being judged against with bids Uh, It is much more the case that it's publicly procured. Therefore, there's much more rules being published and you've got a fairer idea as to what criteria you're being judged against. But if you're pitching for work, sometimes you just really don't know what, what the agenda is of the person who's choosing you. So it is all about putting forward an offer and that offer being genuine and to the values of yourself and your collaborative businesses. So, Denise, give the listeners some flavours of the type of sectors that you've worked in, the type of experience you've got, and how that might have changed since the whole lockdown pandemic kicked in. Well, actually, Fiona, completely radically changed. Um, Our history had been within construction and manufacturing, um, and that had been the sectors that we'd done the most work in. And I was particularly thrilled, as you said earlier, to to be recognised with an MBE to services to the construction industry um, alongside small business entrepreneurs uh, within the South West and Wales. So that was a real, real honour and such a wonderful surprise. And during lockdown, everything changed. I'm sure all of you have got very recent memory. I mean, the whole construction sector shut down during the first lockdown. So as you would expect, all of the bid writing shut down as well. And in truth, as soon as there's a wobble in the economy, the first places that notice it are marketing businesses and training businesses. Um, HR businesses were doing quite well at that point in time because uh, they had a lot of new advice to have to offer people. Um, And accountancy businesses, again, were doing very well, but had to work really hard with all of the changes in rules that were coming through all of the time. So yes, my business had a, a complete shift Um, And we think, well, actually, you know, what is it that you can do? Well, one thing we concentrated on was productizing knowledge. And I know this is something that's very close to your heart. Um, For many service businesses, you are totally linked between the amount of time you can give something and therefore the amount of money you can charge for it. 
Um, and the only way that you can break that link is to productize your knowledge and allow people to self-serve or do one to many at the same time. So that was certainly something we looked at. We created quite a few more online courses. Um, and our first one we actually did during the, the first lockdown was marketing for recovery. And it's very interesting now looking back on that, how much of the, the advice is still sage now, um, because, you know, obviously it spent a lot more time us coming out of recovery phase than perhaps we'd thought during the the summer of 2020. Also, I pivoted my business in its entirety uh, with the with the initial information that was coming about at the kickstart scheme. And I thought this is a great opportunity for young people to really have a chance to earn and learn. And it was a scheme that I saw. It was published and mooted first thing in the, the summer of 2020. And I got an application in straight away and uh, Although many of my friends at the time told me I was completely mad to put forward for 50 vacancies, uh, but I did so. And uh, we actually were the first company to launch national digital remote marketing placements. And it was really, really successful. We've now actually delivered over 166 placements and we've just been given the approval for the final cohort. Um, the scheme is coming to an end in March. So when you're listening to this, it probably has already come to an end. Um, but it's that whole process of of seeing people through and those that start in March will be be learning until September but it's a six-month program and it enables people to really build practical skills it's it's like being part of a marketing agency with none of the risk. I really admired what you did Denise obviously because we're connected so we see what each other does I really admired the way you um, did that because it was really easy during that March 2020 period of time when it all came upon us over those first few weeks just to keep your head down and just focus on your own stuff and not think about the impact on others. But um, I'd really admired what you did. And, you know, you and I are still here talking to each other. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And and that is it. I mean, people just had to be brave and try something new. Um, and if it didn't work, you had to try something else. And that really was the the product of the time. And that's the product of surviving in business, to be honest. One of the worst things almost you can be done is is too wedded to your own history and what worked in the past is a good indicator of what might work in the future but it the future might be so radically different that you don't truly know what you've got to do so kickstart for me just gave me a, an amazing opportunity to share my knowledge um and it just created such a, a feel-good factor um and our our kickstart scheme actually won an international stevie gold award which is the the highest accolade in terms of national international business awards and that was a real thrill and some of the students actually got to attend the virtual award ceremony live from las vegas so again just things people just don't get to do otherwise likewise we actually hosted a ministerial visit live on zoom as well so these things the opportunities you never know what will come around but you do have to seize them when they do and Denise, from the outset, me knowing you back in the day, you've always taken media relations pretty seriously, both for your own brand and for you, haven't you? Tell us why. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing is for many people in business, myself included, I'm not a natural extrovert. I would much rather be an introvert and keep everything I do mostly to myself. So you've got to push yourself out there to tell the story of what you're involved with. Um, and it's recognising that actually 
all of the work that you do is a is a constant story of building your brand and you do need to stay front of mind with people uh, even so you know when you start a business and you've got to really consider about the name and and what sectors you operate in and and I had a view you know I I created purple which was my love of the color purple which I've had for a very very long time and the ol of the o'leary surname it gave me a brand that I could trademark it gave me a unique identity and then going to networking events wearing purple when nobody knew you and literally I came from a world that I was always client side I didn't have clients I'd stolen to start with. Literally, I started with absolutely nothing and just made a start, which many people can do successfully. But you have to build something to be known for. So if I had a purple dress, they might not have remembered the name of the company, but they might have remembered I was the purple lady. And then onwards from there, it builds that brand. And then you start to get known for given things. So writing expertly on how people can win bids how they can actually adjust their marketing strategy, how they can then win business awards and that raises their profile. So it's all about building, 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 but but also appreciating that actually your news might not be the most amazing news that everybody's going to hear on that given day. And it is about that, that trickle, that drip feed of information on a continual basis, that residual level of awareness, and also recognising what is going to be of interest to people. And Every year since I launched the business, I've had a a free prize draw called the 12 Purple Days of Christmas. And there are 12 purple prizes every every year. And people actually now look forward to it, uh, having just approaching my eighth business birthday. um, It's something we've done right from the beginning. And there's there's no particular gain for me, apart from obviously spending the money on all the prizes. But there is the joy of of sending them out as presents. So um, it's just what you do to build that awareness on a continual basis. I think also, Denise, it it is also about you walking your talk, isn't it? Because you help businesses with this stuff. And if they go off and research you, they find that you do this stuff yourself for your own brand. Quite. I think, you know, a lot of the time in businesses is about authenticity. And if you're telling people you recommend they should do something and they say you most definitely don't do it yourself, then then it's not plausible to them. So it is that case of making sure that you you keep your blog sections updated, you know, putting posts out on on social media and a mix of of relevance relative to the business and, you know, a, a snippet of, of personal stuff, if, if you can do that, even if it's the cake. The, your birthday business cake or something like that it doesn't have to be personal about your life as such but actually just something that gives you a bit more engagement than it is just the business and and if you're broadcasting all the time people quite frankly get bored and they don't want to listen they want to hear interesting things and generally people are really thrilled about sharing success so sometimes people might be really nervous of putting out there that that they've won a business award for example But actually, when someone hears that that's happened, you can be an inspiration to them. So it is that whole story of making sure that you you share, but it's done in a non-bragging and an authentic way. I totally agree. Tone of voice is really important, isn't it, in business? It's not the great I am, it's uh, who can I serve? I always think, who can I serve? How do you manage that? I'm really extrovert, as you know, so I'm quite out there on almost everything. But if you're a more introverted character and you find that balance between the professional, the product, the service and your personal side difficult, how do you manage that? Because I do believe 
even as an extrovert, that you do have to have personality and be more than your product or service. Absolutely. And I think that is definitely true. I think for, for those that are more introverted, it is about already understanding their boundaries. And if you know where your boundaries are, then you're not going to do anything that you feel really uncomfortable with. I think the biggest fear for many people associated with PR is that they're going to have to talk about something they don't want to talk about and they've not given it the thought, therefore they're not prepared. And then it will expose them in a way that they didn't want. So I think for, for many businesses, it is about allowing themselves to reveal you know, elements of, of what they're comfortable with but also understanding if there's an opportunity where someone wants to do something that you're not comfortable with, then you don't do it. It is about being true to yourself, but giving your chance to, to tell your story. I find with the media, people fear the media a lot and think that it's, you know, just because the media or a member of the media contacts you, they, they can't say no. But they absolutely can say no. Is how you say no that's quite important because you can say no, which actually sounds more like oh, I really can't make that. It's not really in my area of comfort. It's not really in my area of expertise. But my my friend Denise O'Leary is really really good at that sort of stuff. I'm sure she'd be really happy to talk to you. You can actually be positive with the media when it's something that's not suitable for you. Absolutely. And not all opportunities are the best fit for any one company. And I would absolutely say, you know, there, there might be a bid that you come across and you think, actually, I can't do this on my own, but I could partner with someone else or indeed it's a better fit for someone else in its entirety. And if someone approaches you and asks you to, to help with something and it's not your best fit, it is always far more honest to say, actually, we appreciate you finding us and, and that is great. However, we do believe someone else might be a better fit for you on this occasion. So it is that case of recognising the opportunity, thanking someone for thinking of you, and then if it's not suitable for you, passing it on and allowing someone else to benefit from it. And I think as long as that's done with, with integrity and it's, you know, it's matched to your company and personal values, then none of that is a conflict for you. It is just that whole case of, of seeing the match between what you want to do and what someone else potentially wants you to do. But it's, it's back to that concept, as you said quite rightly earlier, about being of service to your client. And it's how do you find the best solution for them? One of the things you talk about a lot, and you've written a book about, I know, because I did contribute a chapter to your wonderful book, was how to win business awards. So, um, Denise, I often get asked this by companies, should I enter awards? And I know the national press generally don't cover awards because there are so many around. So how do you explain to your clients what is the value of entering a business award? What does it bring to the company? Well, I think all things being equal, if, if you are competing in a pitched environment and there are, for example, two PR companies and one is award winning and one isn't, it's a very natural human instinct and a company instinct to choose the one that's award winning if all other things are equal. So it gives you that standout. But I think it's a lot deeper than that. To actually put yourself forward for an award means that you've been prepared to put yourself up for independent assessment. And the whole process of award entry, although there are vagaries and although there are variations, in the vast majority, most business awards are very keenly judged. There are often independent judging panels. 
there is a lot of robust process. So the very act of you putting yourself forward for a business award means that you've assessed your business. You've actually done due diligence. You've gained testimonials. You've got your electronic media and your social media all aligned. You've gone through a process where you can actually justify to someone external why it is you should be accepted against a given criteria. And the whole act of getting yourself ready as part of an award entry is a really robust and good business process because it means you're actually putting a stake in the ground and assessing where you are now. And we all know the the importance of business planning, but we all know that actually a plan is no good if it's written down and in a box and you're not doing anything with it. And an annual plan is probably quite ridiculous in a world that changes in five minutes. So it's one of those situations whereby having that assessment, revisiting where you've come from, knowing what your brand story is, and this is so key for PR and for businesses in in more general terms, award entrants that put forward what their story is and what they achieved and why it made a difference are the ones that win. Those that just state what their turnover was or which market sector they dealt with all of this is true but none of it is then engaging and people when they're assessing awards want to know what you did as a business that made a difference they're not necessarily interested in whether you made as much money as an other business and in fact many businesses that are entering awards during this time frame will possibly have two years of accounts that don't reflect their their effort or their historic business trend and most awards again will be considering that Many times the judges are business owners themselves. They know exactly the environment and what everybody went through. So it is that whole thing of using it as the opportunity to plot out where you've come from, where you want to go to, what your story is and what what you did that made a difference. Uh, And what you said really chimes with me. You were talking about clients, you know, if they have a choice between one person and another person and one's got an award, it may give you the edge. But equally with the media, well, the media, local media will probably cover an award, but national media won't. But if you get the opportunity to um, be a voice of whatever it is, you know, tips for small business for 2023, for example, you put yourself forward as an award winning um, entrepreneur and I put myself um, forward with no awards, they're going to choose you. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's that comparison of different market sectors and expertise and and journalists as well want to speak to people who are media friendly. If you're going to make their life easy, um, you've already got all of your data to hand. You're already an expert on that subject and you give them what they want. Usually relatively short notice, we will acknowledge, because the opportunity presents itself and you've got to seize it at that moment or gift it on to someone else. But it's that whole thing of, of actually looking at the timing the opportunity, what you can do with it, and then how you leverage it. And if if you're known as an award winner, then it just gives you so much greater leverage of, of having these opportunities find you, uh, as does a continual media presence. Uh, it's, you know, we, we talk about search engine optimization and websites being updated, but, but even if it's the case that you update your own blog on your website, you're still putting new material out there. And I think that's really important. And generally, your local media really does want to support local business. Uh, it's one of those areas where they do cherish their local businesses. They generally know how tough it is and they do want to be able to support them. I think that's really true and music to my ears because, you know, I'm a huge advocate of local media. And in some circumstances, they're also small business owners themselves. 
So you're not only supporting the local media, you're supporting another small business owner. Absolutely. And there's so many interlinked networks of different sorts, you know, where where businesses of different types, they can just give each other a boost. And it many times as well, it's all about the power of referral. Someone wants to know someone who does something. You might be that trusted expert who can recommend on someone else. Denise, how do you get over the thing that I get sometimes, particularly with bigger businesses, I have to say, they say, well, how many sales am I going to get from that piece of PR activity? Or what's the return on investment going to be? And of course, I have to say, well, I don't know, have you got a sales process? Um, How do you deal with that? Because you're really good at dealing with that type of thing. I think there are some elements of, of what we do that is more quantifiable. So if you win a bid, depending on the procurement process, it might well be the job itself. So therefore, you put the effort in, you you do the bid writing, the, the price is put forward, it's all assessed, and, and the winner is the, the person who has the outcome of, of being able to build the school, for example. In many instances, however, almost the win is the ability to compete in the future. So that is a particular interesting debate for people when they realise the complexity of, of frameworks Um, when they're bidding on a project that actually what you're winning is the chance to exclude other people for a time frame in the future rather than necessarily the opportunity for yourself that you can monetize at that moment although of course you may be able to say well actually if it's a four-year framework and I win one every three months then I can work out what value that that might be to me I think for for marketing and, and PR as an element within marketing it is always quantifiable there's the the standard historic jokes of I know 50% of my marketing budget is wasted, but I don't know which 50%, and everybody acknowledges that as a potential. I think you've got so many tools now that have got so many more metrics with them. So for certain advertising campaigns, you can actually see what you've invested and therefore what return it's had, but it depends what it's buying. If you're asking someone to, to click on an advert and to buy an online course, then it's a fairly short purchase journey. Um, and people are deciding based on the information they're given. They might have a bit of a trial. They click on the, the link. They decide how much it is and how badly they want it. And then the decision is made and, and then the purchase journey is, is, is ended with that purchase. I think for, for marketing strategy, it's, it's more of an interesting debate because people are wondering, do I really need to know what a strategy is? Do I need to have it written down? What are the other aspects I need to consider? And actually, in that sort of journey, you're paying for someone's expertise. And there are people and there have been people that will that will say you need what it is that I've got rather than what is best for the client. And I think that's the thing that always changes the the purchase journey and the outcome when someone can realise the authentic business who says, actually, with your circumstance, if you've told me you've got a thousand pound budget, I would do this with your money because of and not try and sell them the thing that makes you the most money. And people see through that very, very quickly. So, Denise, before we close, are there any more pithy tips or anything you'd like to say around um, to our listeners around PR and marketing? Well, it's a vast subject but it is definitely one you need to stay up to date on. So you definitely need to to keep reading, keep absorbing, keep listening. And those are all the things that are are really, really valuable. 
and don't ignore young people. There are amazing schemes. A lot of universities have free two-week placements where they can give you an expert. If you think you don't know social media, someone else might know it. Get them on board. And, and also, you know, look at the value of your network. Who is it that you can be of help to in your network? And then you will find out that that help comes back to you. Denise, that's fantastic. Thank you. Now, tell, let's tell our listeners, how can they find you? Well, my company is Purpol, P-U-R-P-O-L Marketing. Uh, we're on all of the social media channels as Purpol Marketing. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Twitter, Facebook, where, wherever you look, mostly we're there. But um, I would suggest check out our, our website and We'd really love for you to read the blogs, particularly by our students, so you can see all of the the joy they've had on our different programmes for internship and kickstart placements, and also the success our clients have had. Uh, We're on our current ready reckoner. We think £3.7 billion worth of opportunity has been won. Um, Some of that is the job itself. Some of that is the opportunity for winning things in the future. So it's a nice statistic, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm more interested in what the individual story was and how much difference it made to them. Thank you so much. And thanks for your time today, Denise. No um, problem at all, Fiona. A uh, pleasure as always. Oh, thank you, Denise. If you'd like to find out more about me, you can find me at www.scottmedia.uk or you can find me on Twitter at the Fiona Scott or over on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Fiona Scott's PR Tribe. Please apply to join. Thank you very much and look forward to speaking to you soon.